the reason that's important is because most people just find out what they make at the end of the year and then they pay their tax bill. But when you understand how the taxes work, you realize that, wow, my life as a married couple filing jointly with one child is incredibly cheap up to $43,000. In fact, I don't pay a dime of federal tax. I may pay some state taxes. We won't include that because different states all have different strategies. Let's just focus on the federal for now. But it is so cheap for you to live, you know, up to that first $43,000. Now, if you have a $100,000 lifestyle, suddenly a large piece of that pie is now going to taxes. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. You know, normally on Fridays, we feature teachers, and it's kind of an educational slant on Fridays. Today is not a teacher, but classes in session. We have on Jonathan Mendonza of the Choose Five podcast, and I'm telling you, if you're an educator, actually, if you just don't like paying too much in taxes, and you want to also learn how to travel the world for almost free, this is one that you're going to circle. This is one you're going to share. Um, when I was introduced to Jonathan uh, and started getting into his podcast, I was hooked, especially as a teacher, because I started learning about the tax advantages. Yes, I said tax advantages. Of being a teacher. So we're going to go into some of these things and we're going to figure out how to empower you and get you more financially secure. So if you are a teacher, share this one with other educators. uh, Or if you just don't like paying too much in taxes, uh, share this one. It is important. All right. So without further ado, Jonathan Mendonca. All right. Now I am thrilled. I mean, thrilled to bring on Jonathan Mendonca of the Choose Five podcast. Jonathan, thanks so much for being on. Hey, Don, thanks for having me. I'm ecstatic to be here. No, no, that's my line. I'm ecstatic because um, I love financial planning. Uh, True story. And we've known each other for a while. I'm not sure if I told you this. Um, For a very, very brief while, I was um, a financial planner. Uh, Actually, not even, not certified financial planner yet, but it was right before the crash of 2008. Um, Yeah. So I taught for a number of years. And then I had uh, this dear friend from my church. He's like, hey, you should be like, because I've, because I was raised by Chuck Wetrick, I've, I mean, when Roth was a thing, you know, he sat me down and is like, you know, son, only a fool now would do traditional hair. Anyway, so, (laughs) so like, I I love this stuff. And so, you know, this guy was like, hey, you should, you should come on our firm. And long story made short, it was right before the crash. And you know how that ended. Um, so what was going to be a new career by the grace of God, it was going to be, I changed over the summer and before the summer even ended, I was without a job and I went straight back to teaching. So, and happy I did. Nice little pivot there. And happy I did. Well, it was, it was quite literally and about, I don't even know if there's a 90 day pivot, but here I am. There's like a 60 day pivot, but, um, like historically maybe the worst timed thing ever, but here we are. So Here I we are, and we're <laughs> going to have so much fun. This is going to be a blast. I am. So um, disclaimer, you don't have to be a teacher to want to appreciate this audio, uh, this, this podcast, but I will say um, being raised by a teacher and a stay at home mom, which I consider her an educator too. Uh, we were good uh, with finances in the sense that we didn't make what well, my mom and dad didn't make much, but we always, we were, and we weren't savers. We were investors. Um, and so I came across your work uh, through uh, a former guest and now friend of us both, Vince Baglisi. And he's like, he kept talking about Choose Five, Choose Five, Choose Five podcast. I'm like, what? And so I started listening to it. And um, I think the first one I listened to, my mouth was agape um, because you were talking about, in essence, living um, below your means 
and being a wise investor. So let's just start right there. Get into, first of all, what is, what is the FI community and, uh, and what's some of the secret sauce you got going on there? Yeah, that is a, wow, you're just setting me up to, to talk for hours and hours. But let's just start by saying that like, we're all in this game of life, right? We got this limited amount of time on earth, you know, somewhere in between, hopefully for most of us, in between 40 to 100 years, we're all going to get at least that 40 year amount. And so many of us just spend it working, you know, every single Monday through Friday, some of us work the weekend, stuck in this nine to five type hamster wheel, basically, for most of our adult lives. And my community, the financial independence community, is pursuing these, these kind of life optimization strategies that allow us to get out of that and essentially build a life for ourselves, build a portfolio that can support our lifestyle. Basically, imagine a perpetual money-making machine. We try to look for ways to get enough money invested in either passive income investments, maybe real estate, starting a business, but we try to create a lifestyle for ourselves that will allow us to retire and get back not just you know the golden years 65 and beyond but the best years of our life you know 30s 40s and 50s i know people that are 28 years old and and get out of the workforce and just at very at the most simple level i just want to put this out there if you can get to a point in time where you can save 50% of your income you can you've basically beaten the game and your story will write itself you can retire within 10 to 15 years you're done like that's it. Now I know 50% of your income sounds incredible when you're talking about some people struggling to just get the 4% match with work. But you know, I have found people that are doing this on $50,000 a year or less, there are ways to totally blow this thing up. And then the, the earlier you grapple, you grab these ideas and you start implementing them in your life. You know, if you find this stuff at 50, it's really cool because still you're looking at a 10 year timeline. You can still some, you know, focus on getting a very successful normal retirement. But if you find this stuff at the age of, you know, 18, you can be done by 32. It's just, it's that powerful when you start taking all of these little ideas and some of them we're going to talk about today and um, start building a financial game plan for yourself. And so, yeah, that's kind of what we're about. We're like, we're both finding and discovering some of these tools and we're finding people that have reached this financial independence in a ton of different ways. And we're kind of documenting their story. We're building it all into what we like to consider a life optimization strategy. What does it look like to win the game? Yeah. Well, and, and so for you guys uh, that are almost thinking, okay, this is crazy. I'm logging off now. Don't because there are some strategies and there are some tips that I've started. Again, I, I thought I was good. I seriously, I thought, you know, I've been raised the right way. And I, I, I thought I had some interesting strategies and things like this. And then you guys and your community has, it has been eye opening to me. And so now I'm kind of on a mission that I, I want to, especially my students, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convince 17 year olds now to start socking it away. Uh, matter of fact, my, my oldest Ava was, was ticked off because she realized that she can't start a retirement account yet. Cause she's not 18. Um, and, and, you know, but she's already a saver and an investor. So and doesn't let, she already have a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Dude, dude. She, she's more mature than both of us. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's, that. It's, it's ridiculous, but no, I, so, um, let's, let's get into some of these strategies because, and, and for the record, l- let me also say that, um, cause I, every now and then uh, I've had some people say, well, it's easy for you to say, because you live in Indianapolis, hundred percent correct. I live in the most financially responsible city ever. Like it is so inexpensive to live here. So if you're listening to this from San Diego or Palo Alto, I understand your situation is different. Um, 
However, <laughs> for, 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 a, for a large majority of us, I think that some of the strategies we're going to talk about, especially if you're like a state employee or, or you have those apple pie jobs, man, are some of these things going to be for you? All right, so let's go ahead and start off by just talking about how our tax system works. In the United States, we have, the way it's set up, we, we tax spenders and we reward savers. And what I mean by this is we have a marginal tax bracket. If you're listening to this in 2018 and you are a, uh, a married couple filing jointly, uh, there is now a $24,000 deduction. So basically your first $24,000 in taxes, you don't pay a dime in federal tax on that. Now, if you have any kids on top of that, so if you have any children, for that first child, you are now, you get a $2,000 tax credit. So here's why that's interesting. Basically, basically the 10% tax bracket will take you for a married couple filing jointly, it'll take you up to about $43,000. So remember that first $24,000 is uh, already considered a deduction. You don't have to pay any taxes on that. Normally you just have to pay, you'd be in this 10% marginal tax bracket on the difference, which is about what, around $19,000, something like that. Because you now have this tax credit with your child, basically your first $43,000 that you make in a year are essentially tax-free. You're not going to pay a dime on tax with this. So the reason that's important is because most people just find out what they make at the end of the year and then they pay their tax bill. But when you understand how the taxes work, you realize that, wow, my life as a married couple filing jointly with one child is incredibly cheap up to $43,000. In fact, I don't pay a dime of federal tax. Now, I may pay some state taxes. We won't include that because different states all have different strategies. Let's just focus on the federal for now. But it is so cheap for you to live you know, up to that first $43,000. Now, if you have a $100,000 lifestyle, suddenly a large piece of that pie is now going to taxes. Things are, it is going up dramatically. So your money is being less efficient. Every dollar you earn past $43,000, a portion of that is getting siphoned off to federal tax. And it's increasing amounts. So now it's like 10, 12, what is there, 25% marginal tax bracket and beyond. It's just, it kind of, it kind of blows up after that. So if you realize that's the structure, now you realize the value of these pre-tax accounts. And in particular, I'm talking about the 401k and the, you may have a 403b if you're a teacher. Um, also a traditional IRA you would be eligible for as well. So you get, you're allowed up to $18,000 in your 401k or 403b, you know, you'll have one or the other of those and you can have up to $5,500 in a traditional IRA. So imagine that you live off $43,000, but you're earning somewhere in the range of 60 to 80 between you and your spouse. It is in your best interest to get all of that money into an account pre-tax because once you get that money into an account pre-tax, it can then grow tax-free. And so what you're doing is you're living on the cheaper dollars and you're investing the, the more expensive dollars. If you had used them for your lifestyle that you would have been taxed on and you wouldn't have gotten as much by, by putting them in pre-tax, they are now going 100% of that savings is now going to what I like to call your side of the ledger, where it's just 100% efficiently working for you and it's growing in the market. And you're allowed to get, you're getting those returns on that particular full amount. But wait, there's more. If you are a teacher or state employee, many of these programs will actually give you access to this little thing called the 457. And if you're a public employee, I believe it's called actually the 457B. If you work for a private company, there's a few of them. It may have a different letter at the end. But if you have access to the 457B, many state employees have this, in particular teachers and firefighters. If you have access to this, it essentially acts like a second 401k. So you can actually get up to another $18,000 into that. So imagine this earner that was that was 
had $100,000 in income. They were paying, let's say 25% of that was getting siphoned off to taxes, but they realized they don't really need all that much money. They have a pretty frugal lifestyle to begin with. Now they can start chucking away basically $36,000 just on the one person's income into a pre-tax account going in completely tax-free and it's growing for them completely tax-free as well. So I'm going to show you kind of how, where this goes next, but I'll just take a breather for a second because this is an incredibly powerful tool that people don't realize because frankly, they don't understand how our tax system works. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, like uh, listening to that episode, when you guys start talking about the advantage of being a teacher, which you had me at hello, one of the advantages of being a teacher. Uh, right. What advantage? I, I, right? Teachers have advantages? What? Right. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, again, I thought I was fairly savvy. I did not know about, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know the early withdrawal thing without penalty. Anyway, I'm not going to rain on your parade. You, you go ahead. But I, I, I do agree. This is a, a really cool thing for public employees. Yeah, I'm going to breeze through the 401k. So the 401k is amazing. But the problem is, if you want to access this money early, let's say for whatever reason, you put too much in, and you needed some of it back, or you lost your job, that money is tied up in the 401k. If you want to grab that money in the 401k, you have to pay a 10% penalty. Even if when you pull it out, you've lost your job, you pull it out, you, you know, you, you're basically back down in this lower range where in theory, you'd be getting your money tax-free. You would have to pay this 10% early withdrawal penalty. Uh, but the amazing thing is that little, that little account that I talked about a second ago, the 457B, it is the only pre-tax vehicle that I think exists that will allow you in terms of a separation of service. So you were to have a an emergency, you were to lose your job, you were to, to make the choice to move to a different school in a different state or whatever, you were to leave that job for any reason, you now have access to those funds without paying that early penalty free. And that makes it by far the most powerful vehicle you could imagine. Because now essentially imagine this, instead, let's say normally most people put their emergency fund in case they lose their job in their checking account, but they're putting it in their checking account with post-tax dollars. So if it's at that more expensive tax rate, like they, they, want, to with, they want to withdraw uh, $100, but you know you have to add your 25% marginal tax bracket on, on top of that. So they're losing money just by putting the money in their checking account. The 457 essentially becomes an emergency fund that you fund with pre-tax dollars. And if the worst possible case scenario were to happen, you were to lose your job, then you now have access to all of that money pre-tax. And you can withdraw it out at your tax rate, which if you've lost your job, you get to determine you know, how much you want to draw out. So you are, again, controlling that tax rate up to that $43,000. That is an incredibly powerful concept. Yeah. And I want to say, I've, I've been talking about lose your job. You could just change jobs. And you don't have to lose your job for this to work. You could literally just pick up and move down the street. Yeah, and the thing that excited me is, is like, um, if, if you're listening to this, like, well, I, I don't make enough. Uh, there's two things you, you a lot of times don't hear about. The, the teacher advantage or public employee advantage and the marriage advantage. Uh, this is one of those things that if you wanted to play a, a place, a small bet, you could kind of max out, like say, you know, I'm a teacher and my wife's not, my wife's a nurse. Uh, I could like max out and have things on my side of the ledger, pay less into taxes. And if things don't work out, my wife uh, kind of is that buffer zone. Or like you said, if, if the worst happens, you know, pulling that out without having to pay penalties is, uh, is huge. And I, I did not know about it. So I, that's one of the things that truly excited me is like, um, you know, it's, it's not often you can play, I shouldn't say play because you're still measured, but it's one of those times you could uh, take a risk like that and have very little downside uh, in the sense you don't have to pay penalties. So love, love, love that. Uh, yeah, item. calculated risk. That's what I'm all about. 
So now looking towards this, um, you, you, you've, and, I, and again, I'm, I'm listening to kind of people in my head go, oh, sure, easy for Don to say, or easy uh, for Michael to say, or easy for Jay to say, or whomever. What about uh, people that are like, I, like, they're living paycheck to paycheck, give them some hope. Yeah, absolutely. So the cool thing is, what I like to say is when someone asks me how I reached financial independence, you know, one of my go-to lines is, well, I started packing my lunch and bring it with me to work. All right, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. No one ever got to financial independence by packing their lunch and bringing it to work. But for me, that's a metaphor. And what it symbolizes is this idea that it's not one thing that got me to financial independence. It's this aggregation of marginal gains, all these tiny little things that I figured out and I started implementing that allowed me, you know, and and what happens is you get enough of these in place in your life as a game plan. And the, the, the results is so much more than the sum of the individual parts. And, you know, kind of what you have to, with everybody, when someone comes to me and they talk, well, how can I reach financial independence? You know, what, what do I need to do first? And I say, well, how much does your life cost? That is always going to be my question because what you'll find inevitably is like, well, I, I don't know. And it always starts with tracking your finances. Do you have any idea how much your life actually costs, where your money is actually going? Because if you don't have a plan, it's going to go somewhere and, you know, that the first thing is always just tracking, just get started. It's very easy to do this. I think so many people think that it has to be this incredibly complicated Excel document that you have to copy every receipt into. Like I, I don't put that much bandwidth into it. Mint, mint.com, it's run by Intuit, who does TurboTax, very reliable company. You can literally port in every single account that you have, every single credit card, every single bank account, and you can look at your cash flow. And I'm not, even, I'm not telling you to even get on a budget at this point. I'm just saying it would be useful for you as an exercise to find out where every single penny goes over the next three months. Because now, once you have that, and at three months, I believe, is a nice amount of time because it kind of gives you averages. You could have a very lean month and then a very heavy month. But three months gives you a really solid idea of where your money's going. Now we can start looking at what can we actually improve. And I have an episode, it's episode 21 on my podcast, the Choose a Buy podcast called The Pillars of Fi, where I walk through the 10 most obvious things that people that have reached financial independence, this is what they've done. And I'll just quickly go through a couple of them that I always see. One of them is those trial subscriptions that you signed up for and you never took the time to cancel. That's, that's one of them. That's just hanging over your head. Though that car payment that you're always managing the payments. And so you get the car, you know, you have it five years and you trade it up to the next one. But you always have that, that, you know, $200, $350 a month payment. That house payment, that's too expensive because you wanted to be in your dream home, not the starter home that was your first house. You know, you just bought too much house. You got house heavy. Um, that cell phone bill and that cable package that you're paying, you're sending 250 300 bucks a month to Verizon every single month. These little things add up. And you don't need to, you know, tomorrow switch all of these. But what you can do is you can start by seeing where is my money going and then make a value choice. One of the things that I like to do is actually focus on getting rid of, trying to get rid of it as much as possible, almost to the point where you're at the edge of what you might consider deprivation and just see what you actually miss. Like all these little trial subscriptions, Hulu that you might be signed up. Like if it were gone, would you really miss it? If you miss it, great. That's fine. Bring it back. That's no big deal. That magazine subscription that you signed up for five years ago, like honestly, have you just been throwing it out as soon as it shows up in your mailbox? These little things, like our lives have just become so inefficient because we've gotten so 
good or bad, depending on which way you're looking at it, yeah. at just being susceptible to marketing. And it is just taken, it's just taken all the control out of our lives. Yeah, it's one of the things that I learned, um, and, and it, this was a double-edged sword. When I had the guts to start saying no to things, I was gonna, I'd call and I'd cancel. And lo and behold, they would cut my, it, they'd cut my payments sometimes in half. Every time. Like, like Every I, time. I remember one time I was going to like, okay, I'm do, like, I, this is going back a few years, but I'm like, I'm going to kill my landline. It's just telling you how much this is dating me. They're like, oh, oh, well, what about this? And they'd make it so cheap that I was like, well, why was I paying this to begin with? And then all of a sudden I started falling in love with, you know, renegotiating to, to the point where like my wife is fanatical about um, recycling and I love her for it. But like, so our trash collection is, like it's ridiculous because we have those big drums they take, you yeah. know. That, and so one day I was like, I, I called and I said, hey, can I just do my trash every other week? And they're like, why? And I said, because if you haven't noticed, like it's, it's a fourth full. And they're like, well, I don't know. I said, well, you know what? I'll just switch to the other competitor and I'll try to get a plan that goes every other week. And <laughs> like, oh, wait, 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 wait. magically got more clear on their purpose. Yeah, they're like, wait, 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 okay. And, then, and I said, well, um, all right, so what days do you want us to pick up? And like, you know, which, which every other week? They're like, well, we're still going to come every week. But we respect the fact that, you know, you're not contributing much to the, to the trash. And I was like, oh, okay. But like just having the guts to say I'm done, uh, that's happened when I, when I cut cable, um, that all of a sudden they're like, no, please don't. Like to, like to this day, I, I, I have cable supposedly, but it's basically they throw it in because I keep my internet. And whenever I'm willing to say I'm done with you, then magically uh, they cut it. Now, I'm sure that that wouldn't be for everything. Um, but I, I will say that's kind of a tactic but it's also the double-edged sword. Like if you really seriously need to start saving money and you should cut cable and they cut it by $10, okay, fine. But you're supposed, you know, you're still spending another 70 that you may not have to. So uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's my expert tip for the day, but uh, be willing to cut it. But uh, if you really need to cut it, you know, cut it. No, I'm on the same page. Absolutely. Like, and it's almost like one of those things you should just put on a list and just do every, every couple of years or so. So um, I've certainly gotten some small ones there and you know, I'm just not aggressive enough to pull it off on a regular basis, like have it built into my DNA, but certainly um, every time you do and you are willing to actually cancel, you will get a better price. Yeah. Well, this actually just, I'm going to write a note to myself. My uh, oldest daughter just got uh, auto insurance and I was like, why am I not shopping around and threatening to leave my current company? Cause they'll cut the rates anyway. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, some more stuff. Okay. One of the things that's incredibly fascinating is once you start talking about what this means for the younger generation. So second generation FI. So like, let's say you find this concept in your 30 or forties and you realize how powerful it is and you reclaim control of your life and you're on the path. That's great. It's awesome. It's going to work for you. But you realize very quickly that like you now have an opportunity, especially if you have kids that if you can get this information to them and they can latch onto it, they can have this game beaten by the time that they're in their thirties. So to put this in perspective, my path. I uh, went kind of the, the normal American path, the employee W2 employee path. And I picked a profession that was in a high paying field with high paying job it was pharmacy. So just play this out. I, uh, I did four years in undergrad to, to be able to get into pharmacy school, four years of pharmacy school. And then I graduated um, at the age of what, 28 years old with $168,000 in student loan debt. And then I took the next four years to pay it all off, getting back to broke at the age of 32 years old. That is what you call opportunity cost. Then discovering some form of burnout, you know, basically just getting tired of it. And 
not having any debt and not and having already a pretty lean frugal lifestyle having a year or so of savings mapped up i started working on this side hustle which was this podcast and within a relatively short period of time the podcast actually started uh, producing enough income to pay all my bills and because i was doing this in the context of a high savings rate with no debt living this very lean lifestyle I was actually able to just go ahead and leave my job and focus on my podcast full time, which had quickly become my passion. So it's very interesting to me, not so much that I want to like convince everybody to start a podcast, but just to think about this idea of opportunity cost. And what, you know, in terms of all of us think that we need to find this, this perfect W2 job, but at what cost? I mean, to find out in your 30s that it's not really what you enjoy, that's, that's probably not necessarily the best use of everybody's time. And what I love about what you're doing, Don, and what you're doing with the kids that you're working with is you're encouraging them to find their passion and find a way to monetize it at a much younger age. So if you can pair that with some of the financial ground game that I'm talking about, like you're going to crush the game by the age of 28 and just be done. And then from there on out, you're working just for the love of what you're doing, not because of any sort of financial need. Yeah, boy, I'm glad you zeroed in on that. And and, and it is that that is one uh, of our kind of uh, pillars in class is that um, number one, I mean, I want my students to be successful, but I also want them to be um philanthropic, you know, don't be a jerk about it. And, and yeah, if they can start monetizing and start learning uh, the power of money and, and compounding interest and financial independence now, uh, yeah, I, I, I really want them to be a blessing on others uh, as they're at the ripe old age of, like you said, like 32. Um, so yeah, man, if they can start getting this now, I think that they're going to be an asset to society. Um, one of the other things I, I and this is when I, this is when my jaw really dropped. Uh, the episode you guys did on travel hacking. Again, yeah. I thought I was savvy. Uh, I've got my uh, I've got my American Airlines card. I've got my Southwest Visa, and I've got my soon to be canceled uh, Delta um, American Express. Then you guys went all crazy. <laughs> uh, the, on you, I know. Like, like, yeah. So, like, I'm not even gonna ask you to go over. Like, this is a shameless plug for your show. Oh, people, pe- people listening to this episode, as soon as you're done with this one, you've got, if you like travel, if you, if you remotely like travel, you have to listen to this episode. Let's just go over some of the highlights because that, that is worth, I think that one, that episode was like an hour and five and all hour and five is worth it. It is crazy. Yeah. We don't waste your time. We just teach you how to travel the world for free. Yeah. Let's go over some of this. (laughs) It really works. It's the craziest thing. It was actually a blind spot in my life for a long period of time. But basically, let's just take a look at what this looks like. A lot of what I just said sounded like me telling you not to spend money, which is kind of silly. But if you actually think about what I'm really saying, which I'm saying make purchases of value and then optimize everything. And one of the most clear examples that I can come up with, with how you can just live this life out just a little bit smarter and you can do more than anybody else in your zip code is doing for less is travel rewards. And what I want to get across, first of all, let's just do a quick disclaimer. If you are paycheck to paycheck, if you struggle with credit card debt, if you are in debt up to your eyeballs, if you you know are unable to pay off the balance completely and in full, this is not for you. Just ignore this particular part of the episode. Um, let's just kind of start off with that. But now, now that's out of the way, let's talk about how you can travel the world for free. And what most of us do is that we have our little 1.5% cashback card that we think we're clever with and we put all of our spending on there and at the end of the year, we maybe get a check for $45 to $100. And we're happy with that. And we're like, yay, look at what I did winning. 
But what we do is we realize that there are individuals that instead of having like one particular card, they were just opening up cards in a particular series and they were not spending more. I want to get that across very, very clearly. Instead, they were just moving their normal spending, which, you know, is, is maybe, you know, one to $2,000 of discretionary spending a month, something like that. Instead of doing it with a debit card or with this cashback card, they were doing it with purpose on one of the cards that you know I'll kind of talk about in a second here. Now, the implications of this are that you can open up these any one of these cards, and I can mention a couple of them, or we can just send you back to it's episode nine of my podcast. You can listen to the exact order that I'm talking about. But you can open up one of these cards, and let's just talk about, and for instance, the uh, Chase Sapphire Preferred. You can open up the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Now, this card has a $95 annual fee that is waived for the first year. And you need to spend 3000, uh, let's see, you need to spend it's year three or $4,000 in the first three months when you open the card. And if you do that, they will give you 50,000 air miles. Now these 50,000 air miles are worth honestly somewhere around $1,000 in free travel. It could be even up to 2000, depending on how good of a redemption you get. But $1,000 in free travel. So hear me on this. What's so amazing about this is that you just did your normal spending and you just got the stuff that you normally got and you just got $1,000 worth of travel just for doing what you were already doing, but smarter. That is a 33% rate of return on your money. Where else in this world can you get a 33 rate of, you know, percentage rate of return just by moving your normal spending onto one of these cards. Let's so like a trip to Europe and back. It's, it's truly, truly incredible. And what it means is that is also because of the way that we are as a society have structured and as our tax system is structured, the, these miles that you get, they're not taxable. So hear me on this. You just got basically a thousand dollars that you were spending with post-tax dollars that was, so you had, you had a hundred dollars. It was taxed at 25%. The remainder of that you could put toward buying one of these tickets. If you could get it, obviously that would be a very low price for a ticket that you couldn't do it. But now you just kind of have this thousand dollar voucher in your back pocket that is completely tax-free and you're able to take this trip. Now you can stack this with five or six different cards and you can very easily get somewhere in the range of five to $10,000 in free travel every single year. I know people that literally have traveled the world for free using the strategy that I'm talking about. I'll give you another example very, very quickly. Southwest, it's called the Southwest Companion Pass. They have two cards, three cards actually, um, that you can get and they have varying uh, bonus points for hitting that minimum spend. That's kind of the basic terminology. But Southwest Companion Pass is what we consider the holy grail of travel rewards. If you can pull this off, if you can get 110,000 Southwest points in a one calendar year period of time, then Southwest will actually give you the companion pass for the remainder of the year you're in. So if you're listening to this in the month of April, you April 2018, you would have the companion pass for the remainder of 2018 and all of 2019. So what's so amazing about the Southwest companion pass is that whenever you fly, you get to bring someone for free. And you also still have the 110,000 air miles that you got for opening the cards. You can basically just do two cards back to back and you will have enough points to earn this. So for opening two cards, you got 110,000 air miles, but you also get to bring another individual, a spouse, a child, anybody that you name, you got to gotta hook them up on the account and they get to travel with you for free. So it's essentially like you just got 220,000 air miles. To put that in perspective, Southwest is now opening up a flight later on this year to Hawaii. So this is literally how you take your family to Hawaii for free. Um, it is just unbelievably powerful. And there's all sorts of these little things that you can tie together, but it is an incredible opportunity for people that are fiscally responsible, that don't have credit card issues, 
and know how to take something, take their normal spending and just come up with a plan to optimize it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if that sounds like a, a mouthful, the episode he's talking about one into even more uh, different things and tips and tricks and even how to, I swear to God. I'm sorry. Hold on. No, you're good, man. Better you than me. Well, you'd think that I would uh, have my ringer turned off before that. That's just, that's embarrassing. Anyway, uh, back to the point. Um, where was I at? I swear to God, that rattled me. I did not know this phone was on. Um, what was I saying? I swear to God. It was a mouthful. If you want more, you're saying it was a mouthful. Oh, yeah, the the episode, there's even how to go about it and the timing of it and all the, the different cards and how you guys rate them and everything else. It's a fantastic episode. Um, but uh, for for a kid that was raised, and, and I, again, tip my hat to Chuck and Sue Wetrick, you know, we, my, my dad was a teacher, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, which means money was tight, but we traveled, we always traveled. Um, and it was normally with pop-up camper and a, and a pickup truck with a camper shell. But um, hearing these things, uh, makes it uh, even more feasible. And quite frankly, um, a lot of times people are like, when, you know, I have to spend $3,000 on a credit card. It doesn't have to be frivolous spending. You know, there's a lot of things. You know, I just, unfortunately, this is probably way too much information. I just, I just paid for my uh, lipid trips. Yeah, I had a nice uh, kidney stone. Um, I put that on my credit card uh, because <laughs> that, that, uh, that was a big bill. And it, I actually wish that would coincide because I just, uh, per your episode, just signed up for a, a Travel Miles credit card. Uh, I wish it'd come time because I, I had to put uh, $2,500 down on a kidney stone. Um, so even if you're thinking, well, that's just crazy. You know, in one case, he's telling me not to spend frivolously. And now he's telling me to rack up uh, bills on the credit card. Rack up credit card bills in the sense that you're paying your normal expenses. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I love that. And I would like to even reiterate that I try to make this as simple as possible. So I know I just talked about a couple of different cards, but practically, what does this look like for me? So I open a card, I just put all my spending for the next one to three months on this particular card to get those different points. And then after I have that, I will then basically just put the card in the drawer, right? It's just done, you know, depending on what I want to do next, you may. Um, I will that my wife may just open a card next. So we, so we sometimes alternate back and forth. But literally, all I'm basically talking about is maybe putting on there one or two different recurring bills and gas and groceries, you know, that sort of thing. Like it's not, this is not you going out and buying a plasma TV because, gosh, I just said plasma. That's like a decade old. I don't even know where that came from. I feel like that's high tech, but this is 2018. I guess you need to say like 4K or something. Just imagine 70 inches. That's all I'm talking about. This is not you buying a 70 inch TV. This is you just moving your normal spending onto a, a, a intentional card. And actually, if you want, I can tie one more optimization strategy into sure. this, what you just said. Let's talk about HSAs for just a second. So if you have one of these high deductible plans and you have access to an HSA account, HSAs are this incredibly powerful vehicle that a lot of the same um, companies that we were just talking about will offer. So if you have a predominantly healthy family with very few medical bills, a high deductible plan will often make sense. If you have access to an HSA, you can get I think as a family up to an additional like $6,000 a year uh, into another account, you know, completely tax-free. I love pre-tax buckets, especially for those like dual income families where one of them is a high income earner, just allowing you to skip that expensive tax rate, get that money in their pre-tax. And this is why it's so phenomenal. You know, you just mentioned how you paid with your medical bill, uh, 
with a credit card. That is a great strategy if you are pairing it with an HSA. So you put the money in pre-tax and then anytime you have a medical expense, you just put that on your credit card. Um, on one of these credit cards that you get, that's totally fine. Pay for all your bills with your credit cards, but track your receipts and maybe like a Google Doc, that sort of thing. The amazing thing about the HSA is that you it, it goes in tax-free and it grows tax-free and you are allowed to draw it out um, as long penalty-free and tax-free as long as it's being used for a medical expense. But there is no verbiage in the way it's set up to tell you when you actually need to pull it out. So what that means is, if you have normal spending and your medical bills are inside of your cash flow, so it's not blowing up your budget, you can actually just cash flow your medical bills, pay for them on your credit card. So you're actually getting benefits. You're actually getting free travel out of it. And then what you can do if you have that records is now you can let that money grow tax-free. So imagine putting in somewhere between six to $10,000 a year into this HSA for five or 10, five to 10 years, you get a hundred thousand dollars in an HSA in a stock market, you know, stock market, maybe it's growing around 8%, like very quickly, that is paying all of your medical bills for like basically the rest of your life. And you can draw it out at any time. You've kind of got this giant IOU that you can pull out, but at the same time, it's been helping you get free travel. So, and then the cool thing is, let's say you have, you're in this wonderful position where you hit the age of like 65 and you never needed this money. Like it just, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, I got all this money tied up in an HSA, but I'm healthy. I don't need it. I have, it's wonderful, right? Thank you. Well, the great thing is after you reach that retirement age, you get to then just, it just basically reverts to a 401k. Now you do have to pay taxes on it as you, as you pull it out, but it's just based on your current tax rate. And if you're doing this post-retirement when you yeah. don't have income again, it's not being taxed. So this is money that is just incredibly flexible. And it's, again, this is yet another example of how you tie one of these additional life hacks in, you know, put it into a game plan that it just allows you to crush this game. That's, uh, wow. That's incredible. I, uh, well, anyway, guys, this is this is why I, this is why I wanted to do this show. Uh, one, uh, again, I'm going to shed light on it. Uh, today was just a small, small, small sampling. Um, matter of fact, this is your time. This is your shameless plug. Tell everybody uh, again how to find the Shoes Fi uh, podcast, where to find you, where to find it, all that other good stuff. Because I'm telling you guys, um, if you enjoy um, financial independence or you're starting to think about it, uh, this is a unbelievably great destination and community. Awesome. Thanks so much for the plug, man. Yeah, the, the podcast is ChooseFI, uh, found anywhere podcasts are found. You can look for us as one word or two. Our website is choosefi.com. You can find, obviously, all of our podcasts and articles that we've written there. Um, in particular, I would point people just to a couple episodes in general, just as they're thinking about this and thinking about whether or not this would be a good strategy for them. And one is our episode 38. That's our why of I kind of just tells you why I made this choice instead of the traditional choice. Episode 21 is a little bit of what I talked about in this particular episode, talking about the pillars of I and basically these things that you can do to just hit the ground running on your path to financial independence. And then obviously what Don was talking about, episode nine, our episode on travel rewards will just teach you how to get hit you know, hit the ground running with that as well. Awesome. I seriously, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, I value the fact that, uh, we have a friendship. I value the fact that, uh, I can hit you up with information or, or questions and, and you're there. Uh, but the other thing that I, I sincerely have appreciated is the fact that, uh, not only are you a financially responsible guy, but you've always a lot of times woven into your episodes that, uh, your dedication to your family and the commitment you have there, you're not out there like, you know, making it to rain 
and uh, and and being a jerk about it, you you just I don't know. I I, I dig the fact that uh, you know you're responsible and and with your family's finances and and just that you're always trying to do what's best for them. And and uh, man, I just I don't know. I, I I love that kind of stuff. And I know I just knew they would resonate with uh, with the audience uh, that we have here on this podcast. So thank you for being such a great resource. I appreciate it. Oh, Don, thank you. This has been so much fun. And I can't wait to have you on the show to hear more about your story, man. This is just, I just love what you're doing. It's just absolutely incredible. And I think this is a piece of the conversation that everybody needs to be exposed to. So thanks for this opportunity. Yeah, man. All right. Thanks so much. All right. There you go. I think one of the most insightful and practical podcasts we've ever done. Uh, If you enjoyed this one, again, the Choose 5 podcast is out there. It is a wealth of great information. You can also find out where to find Jonathan and all of his other pertinent information in the description below. Uh, Reach out to him. He's incredibly helpful, and uh, so is his group. All right. One of the reasons why we grow is because you guys share, and you also leave comments on the Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash startedup. And also because, and I really appreciate the people that are giving feedback on the iTunes and giving us a star rating and review. Other than that, this is Don Wetrick reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. We'll see ya.